Well, hello again, and welcome back to the Bible Teaching Channel of A Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. Today, we are going to be continuing on once again in our study of the book of Acts. And the last time that we looked at the book of Acts, we covered the first 12 verses of chapter 16. So as I always say, if you're in a position where you can do so, please go ahead and grab a Bible and open it up to the New Testament book of Acts chapter 16. We will go ahead this morning, this, well, yeah, I'm recording it here. Actually, it's the afternoon when I'm recording this. I don't know when you're listening, but uh, what time it is where you are or at the time you've come upon this teaching. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and cover the rest of the verses of chapter 16 here today. So I'm going to go ahead, though, and I'm going to jump back, and I'm going to, just for the sake of keeping within the context of the chapter, I'm going to go ahead back and start reading in verse 1. So let's go ahead and get started here. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. Now, when it says he here, we're talking about the Apostle Paul. So he comes to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, just a reminder, we covered all these verses I'm reading here in our last study of the book of Acts. Uh, And if you'd like to listen to that, you can go on to uh, our website or our YouTube channel or our any any one of the podcast platforms that are out there. Search for a love outreach and you'll find this teaching. So anyway, he comes upon Timothy here. He wants to have him circumcised because everybody in the, you know, all the Jews knew that he was, a, his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone through um, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And they had come to Mycenae. They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia to help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. Now, there are the verses we covered the last time, starting our verses for today, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia 
heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Now, as we read about Lydia here, it immediately brings back to my mind the story of Cornelius. If you remember, uh, we read about him back when we studied Acts chapter 10. And he was a man whose prayers had come up before God as a memorial, we're told. He was recognized by God. He was a devout man that worshiped God, but there was something that he was lacking. He was lacking something very important, a key ingredient in his life, and that was the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And here we see a similar thing in the life of this woman, Lydia. She is described here as someone that worshiped God, but she had yet to come to know the Lord. So keep in mind, folks, that Jesus is the way the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. So even today, in our day and age, there are many people that, quote, worship God, and and they may even be worshiping the true God, the God of the Bible, the, the, the God that's described in the Holy Bible, right? But they have not yet come to know Jesus. And this is why the gospel much must still be preached because there is no other way to be saved except through Jesus, okay? So there was more that needed to be done in the life of, of Lydia, even though she was considered a worshiper of God. And verse 15 continues here and says, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now this is an interesting story here to me because I have known a couple of people in my life um, as a born-again Christian, in my lifetime as a born-again Christian, that these people have really amazed me in their apparent knowledge of the Lord and even in their knowledge of the Word of God and the things that they would say and the way that they would draw attention to the Lord and the way that they would speak. But in reality, um, they had the characteristics of a demon-possessed person. I've known a couple people like that. And this was the case here in the life of this young girl that we're reading about here. Again, she seemed to be proclaiming something good, something true, but Paul, he, he could see right through her. And he knew that she was not working or speaking from the Spirit of the Lord. So the girl is saying here in verse 17, speaking of Paul and his crew, these men are the servants of the Most High God and proclaim to us the way of salvation. And that's true, wasn't it? 
right? And verse 18 goes on and says, and this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit. Now look, who, look who's Paul's talking to there. It doesn't say turned and said to the girl. Turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So you see, there was a spirit within her, but it was not the spirit of the Lord. It was not the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul spoke directly to that spirit that was within her, um, you know, as he could perceive and as he knew there, there was something not good happening here in this girl. And he cast, he cast that spirit out of her. And it's kind of crazy to think about the fact that, that, again, she wasn't really proclaiming anything that was false. She was stating the truth, all right? And in verse 17 there, but Paul was greatly annoyed by her and the Holy Spirit within him revealed to Paul that her actions were not right. They were not coming from the spirit of truth, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And we don't have a whole lot of detail here from the writing of Luke as we're reading this, but it just goes to show us that things aren't always what they seem. In other words, we don't know what happened with this girl or we don't get a whole big picture of the, of the story here. But you know, I've been around a lot of church people that put up a facade Right? That is, they appear to be one way, but if you pay close enough attention to their lives, you can see that what they portray is, is not always the reality of what is within them. And that's what matters in our lives as born-again Christians. And that's why I'm always encouraging you in my teachings to examine yourself as to where you are in the Lord. Does the Spirit of the Lord dwell within you? Right? You know, so, and look, truth be told, we all need to be careful. We all need to be careful to check ourselves as to how we're living, if we're being led by the Holy Spirit or not, right? But the one very telling piece of information that we do not have about this girl here, um, or that, excuse me, that we do have about this girl here, is that she was a fortune teller. And this we know is not of the Lord. And verse 19 tells us here, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So you see, the spirit within the girl was a spirit of the devil. It was a worldly spirit working for profit. And unfortunately, we even see this in many churches today, don't we? Unfortunately. So-called pastors trying to say things that, that make people feel good and raking in mega dollars for their own profit rather than teaching the truth of the gospel, teaching the, the word of God, right? And you know, if, if you mess with their profits, they'll come after you, you know? But thankfully, a day of reckoning usually comes at some point in time uh, for these type of preachers. But here they are having their way, right, right now anyway, in, in disrupting the work, the true work of the gospel. 
And that's what these men are doing. They're trying to disrupt the work of the gospel here. And they forcibly seize Paul and Silas. And verse 20 says, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to to receive or observe, okay? So again, here we see a situation where you're upsetting or you're messing with the things that people covet, whatever it may be. And what do they do? They will lie. They will do all that they can to shut you up and to get rid of you because you're messing with their profits, right? And unfortunately, I've seen this too in the lives of, of church people, right? And look, keep in mind, folks, that just because someone is a church goer or even in a leadership, leadership position in a church, this does not mean that they are being led by the Holy Spirit and what they do or what they are saying, okay? Again, I'm talking about how this girl was seemingly proclaiming things that were true but there was deceit behind the scenes. There was, there was powers that be behind her that were at work, evil forces, okay? And once that evil spirit was cast out of her by Paul, the prophets were gone for those that she worked for. So the, the, these profiteers are very upset. They want to get rid of the, the man of God, the men of God here that are teaching the real truth, and they tell lies to get their way. They tell lies to get the whole city in an uproar, okay? And, and they, they, they fabricate and they do whatever they can to protect their way of life, right? No matter what it might cost someone else, okay? Then verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. So here we go again for the Apostle Paul. The last time he was in this part of the world, he was stoned nearly to death. And now he's getting another unjustified beating. But this is the life of one that stands for the truth of the word of God. If you stand for the truth and you do not waver, you will be persecuted. You will be attacked. People will say things about you because you're standing for the truth and you will not bend or break, right? So people that do not have the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit working within them, they're not going to be happy with those that do. That's just the way it is. It's the way it was for Jesus. And he said it would be the way for those that follow him, right? Now, they might not stone you today and they might not beat you today, but they'll talk about you behind your back for sure. And they'll tell lies to others about you, right? Verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, Luke is definitely going to great lengths here to make sure that his readers, us, know that these guys were locked down very securely, right? And what we are going to see here is that when the Holy Spirit is working through people, that he will accomplish what he sets out to do 
no matter the work of the forces of evil that stand against his work. Okay, again, keep in mind here that they are in prison for no good reason. They did nothing wrong. And the story goes on in verse 25 here. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, I guess you can say that they had a captive audience here, right? But the prisoners could have been yelling at them and telling them to shut up, but instead the prisoners were listening, right? These prisoners were, of course, locked in the deepest part of the prison as well, which means that their crimes were worthy of stricter punishment and and they were worthy of this kind of lockdown, right? Whatever their crime was. So they had nowhere to go in life, butt up at this point. And usually when people get down to rock bottom, they begin to call out to God. When everything's okay and they feel like they're in control of their lives and it's all good, they don't need God. But sometimes when it takes for people to get to the lowest point in their life, maybe even that point of death where they know they're dying and they begin to call out to God, but it might be too late, right? So to hear these men praying, right? These prisoners are hearing these men praying and singing praises to God, it captured their attention because of where they were at this point in their lives. And verse 26 said, says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now, why would he do that? Well, he himself would have been killed by the authorities that were above him if he had let these prisoners escape, especially the really bad criminals like these men that were locked up in the deepest part of the prison where Paul and Silas were as well, right? But again, keep in mind who is in charge of all that is happening here. It is the Holy Spirit. That's who's in control here. And verse 28 says, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. So this guard knew that these men were men of God with the power of the Holy Spirit that was working, working through them. He, was, he too was listening, I'm sure, to their prayers and their singing as well. He knew now that his life was spared and the spirit of the Lord was doing a work within his heart at this point. And verse 30 says, and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now let's not lose sight of this scene that has taken place here. The man fell to the ground, trembling before Paul and Silas. And now he desires salvation. What does that give us a picture of? That gives us a picture of repentance. 
you know, repentance. You're, you're on the ground. You're done. You're in a heap on the floor. You're done with the way you live your life. And you want to know what must I do to be saved? This is the first step that someone must take to come to salvation in the Lord. Verse 31, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. So again, after this man comes to this place of repentance, they told him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because that is the only way to salvation. There is no other way. Jesus and Jesus alone. And it starts with repentance and then it then you begin to walk by faith in Jesus for the rest of your life. So you're hearing the gospel here, folks. But it's also important that we know the word of the Lord, right? Look at verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So today we have the word of the Lord written in the pages of the Bible. You have someone like me teaching the word of the Lord and many others. But even if you don't want to listen to somebody like me or the many others, you still have the Bible that you can read. Okay? The New Testament contains the words of the Lord. Not all the words that he spoke, but some of the words that the Lord spoke. And, and it contains some of the words and the deeds of his chosen apostles as well. That's what we're reading. That's what we're reading about to hear the gospel ourselves today. And we are to learn and to obey the commands of the written word of God. We're to live it, okay? Verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. So the guard took care of their wounds and the apostles baptized him and his family. So there you see the fullness of the gospel. Again, start it with repentance, then placing your faith in the Lord, then coming to know the word of God and also being baptized. These are all crucial steps in you committing your life to Jesus Christ and being saved. Remember, that was his question. What must I do to be saved? And then the whole process began. He first came with that repentant heart, though. I cannot stress that enough, right? He was in a heap at their feet, knowing he needed salvation, okay? And I'm, you know, before I move on here, I'm going to just pause real quickly and say, is that you today? Is your heart in that place? You're ready to repent and come to the Lord? You can do so just like you see painted in the, the picture we see painted here in the scriptures, you can do the same thing. Repent, come to faith in Jesus. Get into the word of God, be baptized, commit your life to Christ, begin, start to live like a believer. Let's go on, verse 34. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. So look at that, after coming to Jesus, what happens? The man's got joy in his life because all his family came, all of them were saved and they're rejoicing in the Lord, okay? The story continues on in verse 35 and then when it was day, the magistrates sent the officer saying, let those men go. So the authorities knew, they knew that they had no ground 
no grounds for keeping Paul and Silas and you know these men in prison. But the problem is, is they had no right to beat them either. They had no right to treat them the way that they did. Verse 36, so the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore, depart and go in in peace. So this prison keeper, he speaks in a different way now. And he tells them, go in peace. This is a man whose heart is now rejoicing. He is saved, his family is saved. He has eternal life. He's walking by faith in the Lord, right? But Paul, on the other hand, he's a little bit more feisty here, and he wasn't going to let them get off that easy. And verse 37 says, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. You see, both Paul and Silas had Roman citizenship, and it was illegal for them to treat them in the way that they did, to beat a Roman citizen, right, in the way that they did for, for no reason at all, right? And what did they do? They saved a young girl from a form of trafficking, right? She was being used for someone else's profit, and the Holy Spirit worked through Paul, a man of God, to set her free. She was set free. Paul says here, no, indeed, uh-uh, I don't think so, right? Tell them to come down here and talk to us face to face. Verse 38, and the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So who's sorry now, right? Paul and Silas could have made more out of this, and we really don't know what happened here. This is all we're told about this part of the story, but they were going to go on now and continue to preach the gospel after this set of, set of circumstances here in their lives, right? But there are times when people need to be called on the carpet for the way that they behave. And a born-again, spirit-filled believer will be bold enough by the leading of the spirit to do just that, to call people on the carpet. Say, look, look what you did, Right? Again, we're not told any more about this story here of what came of this whole conversation and when they were, were released and all that. We're just told that Paul and Silas moved on. And in verse 40, it says, so they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. So, they went, so, so we see here that they went back to Lydia's house, a new convert herself, right? And they encouraged the other believers whom I'm sure knew that they were in prison and were probably worried about them and wondering what's going on. But they encouraged them and they went on their way again to go continue to preach the gospel. And we'll stop here as far as our scriptures are concerned for today. But I want to exhort you to be encouraged today yourself. If you are in Christ and you're filled with and you're led by the Spirit, His will will be accomplished 
in and through your life, no matter how dark of a pit you may think you're in right now, no matter how deep the dungeon, no matter how much you feel like you're locked up, no matter the pain and the suffering that you may be going through, God has an ultimate plan in it all. And oftentimes it's not in our timing. It's always in his timing, to be honest about it. That's what I have learned. It's always in his timing, but he will accomplish it. He has begun a good work within you and he will be faithful to complete it if you've surrendered your life to him. So we must press on one day at a time all the way to the end of our time here, right? The day of the Lord is coming. We must continue in the faith, root it and ground it, found it upon the firm foundation of the word of God. There will be persecution. There will be hard times. There will be mockers. But press on with your eyes fixed on Jesus. In this chapter, a young girl was set free. A woman that worshiped God came to freedom in Jesus and knowing the truth about Jesus. She was set free. Paul and Silas were set free from prison. All of this is the working of the Holy Spirit. Have you been set free today? Have you repented? Have you fallen on your face and given your life to Jesus? Come to the end of you and come to believe on him. Get into the word of God. Be baptized. Walk in the ways of the word of God. This is what we are called to do. This is why God sent his only begotten son to seek and to save the lost. And if today you're listening and you're already walking with the Lord, but again, you're in a dark place. He is with you. He is leading you and guide you and guiding you through this life. So God bless. Thanks again for watching. Thanks again for listening, whichever the case may be. And as always, feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, you can contact me directly via email, dave at aloveoutreach.com. We'll see you next time. God bless.